is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 10, from verses 38 to 42, at the home of Martha and Mary. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everyone. As Tom said, for anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Paloma, and I'm delighted to announce that in exactly 97 days from now, I'm going to be getting married. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only one in the congregation with a, a wall chart crossing off the days down to the wedding. So in preparation for getting married, that verse that we read in uh, verse 40 um, about all the preparations that had to be made, all the, all the things that Martha was worried and upset about, that verse has taken on a whole new significance as I prepare for for getting married, my family would sure agree. When John and I um, got engaged, we made a commitment that we were preparing first and foremost for a marriage, a marriage that would last the rest of our lives and for the wedding second. But it seems that in society, um, we seem to have our perceptions the other way around, that we're preparing for a wedding first and a marriage second. And in preparing for the wedding, I've had all sorts of different life experiences that have been brand new to me. Just this week, John and I had to go and give notice that we wanted to get married in Weybridge, um, which involved a rather daunting interview where we were taken into separate rooms and quizzed about the other person. And the, the sheer look of panic that overcame my face when I couldn't remember John's date of birth for the life of me. <laughs> and there are other things that I haven't fully realised, but I will have to get used to. So I'm changing my name in 97 days' time to Paloma Lee. But very stupidly at work, um, about a month ago, I ordered a set of 250 business cards that say Paloma Vince. Um, so I'm trying to get rid of at least two a day. So if anyone wants one, come see me after the service and we can, that'll help me get through them. So as I say, our priority is that we're preparing for a marriage first and for the wedding second. But when I'm at work with my colleagues, people don't ask me how the marriage preparation's coming along. They ask me how the wedding preparation's coming along. And this, this frustrates me a little bit. And being um, the deeply sarcastic human being that I am, I've decided to come up with um, what I consider to be slightly witty answers every time I'm, I'm asked about it at work. My favourite, uh, or, or the first, is to, to say wedding. Oh, what, what wedding? What's that? And pretend I know nothing about it. The second is to pretend that I've forgotten that I'm getting married this summer and say, oh, I knew there was something happening in June. It's a good thing you reminded me. I'd completely forgotten about that. But by far, my favourite response to colleagues asking about how the wedding preparation is going 
is to say, oh, do you know, it's coming along really nicely. I've got a venue booked. I've got a beautiful dress. I found a band. All I need to do now is choose a groom. <laughs> Quite rightly, whenever I've said that to people, they've pointed out that I might have things a little bit upside down. I might have my priorities a bit wrong. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you um, that you bring it alive by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would speak to each of us now through your word um, and that you'd refine what I have to say so that it reflects your will for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So where do we find ourselves in this passage? Well, we're almost at the halfway point through the Gospel of Luke and we're similarly nearly at the halfway point for our sermon series through Luke on mission with Jesus. Last week, Tom preached to us about the sending out of the 72 disciples, act of mission, and then the very well-known parable of the Good Samaritan. At this point in Luke's Gospel, for several chapters, Jesus has been in the full swing of his outreach ministry. He's been going out to groups, he's been sending people out on his behalf, he's interacted with people from across the Jewish social spectrum and beyond. So suddenly, at the end of chapter 10, we have this story that's quite different to the ones that sit around it. There's no mass evangelism campaign happening here. We have a small domestic scene nestled between the parable of the Good Samaritan and then the passage afterwards, which is Jesus teaching about the Lord's Prayer. Now, the fact that this passage is placed where it is, I think, has, has two significances. Firstly, if we were to look back in chapter 10 at verse 27, where Jesus is quizzed about the greatest commandments, he says that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. He then goes on to explore what it means to love your neighbor as yourself through the parable of the Good Samaritan. And then with this passage at the home of Martha and Mary and then his teaching on the Lord's Prayer, he's fulfilling the other side of that commandment. He's showing us what it looks like to love the Lord with all our heart, mind and soul. And secondly, this is a very convenient place in our sermon series and indeed in the Gospel of Luke to pause in our thinking about evangelism and perhaps recalibrate and look at that first commandment Jesus gives us and work out if our evangelism is indeed aligned with loving the Lord with all our heart. The story is, is centered around two sisters, around Martha and Mary. Their family, together with their brother Lazarus, appear in the Gospels three times in total. We know that they were special friends of Jesus. And later on in, in John's Gospel, they go on to make incredible declarations about who Jesus is. So we know that they are believers in him as the Messiah. Commentators have suggested that um, Martha and Mary were probably young, unmarried, possibly even orphaned, because we don't hear anything else about their wider family. And it's probably safe to assume that they were people of means and influence, because they're, they're hosting large groups of people, and when they mourn Lazarus' death in John's Gospel, we're told that lots of Jewish people came to mourn with them. So as I say, we've got a fairly normal domestic scene on the surface. One sister preparing food for some guests, the other sister not really pulling her weight, sitting with the guests. I'm sure if you were to ask my brother and sister, they'd be able to relate to the second half of that. We've got these two activities going on in parallel, the preparing of the food, and then Mary sitting with the guests, listening and discussing. Perhaps our first reaction to the passage is to have sympathy with Martha, because after all, Mary is being a bit lazy, if you think about it. But because Jesus is involved in this story, we can fairly safely say that there's more going on than might meet the eye. 
And that's certainly been the case. That I've, that's what I've learned from seven years of being a Christian. When Jesus is involved, it's never going to be quite as simple as that. So I want to draw out three questions that this passage asks us to consider about ourselves individually and about ourselves as a, as a congregation. And in good Church of England fashion, my three points all have a P in them, so they're easy to remember. The first is the passage asks us, what is our priority? The second is, what are the patterns of our lives? And then thirdly, I'll look at, what are we practicing in response to all of that? So, with our first question, what are our priorities? In this story, we see Mary and Martha doing two fairly good Christian things, preparing food for guests, sitting listening to Jesus. But the problem with Martha is that her priorities are in the wrong order. They're upside down. Just like when I pretend to my colleagues that I've planned an entire wedding and yet haven't chosen the groom. Or if John and I tried to plan an entire wedding without giving any thought to the marriage, we'd have our priorities upside down, the wrong way around. We can infer that Martha's priorities are around doing her job. Within the the social context, it was the, the role of the mistress of the house to prepare food for visitors. So clearly one of her priorities is is about doing her job. We also see she has this very strong sense of justice and injustice. Her sister's not doing her job, and that that upsets Martha to the extent that she rather rudely interrupts Jesus mid-flow. And we're told in verse 41 that her priorities are many. She's upset and worried about many things. There's a lot of things competing for that top spot in her life. St. Augustine, a 4th century theologian and philosopher, describes sin as disordered love, loving things in the wrong order, loving money before family, loving helping ourselves above helping others, or loving anything or anyone before and above God. St. Augustine says that is sin. Just thinking about that for a second, that's quite a broad definition of sin. It means that every time we love anything or anyone above God, we're sinning. We're falling short of God's standard, 